Welcome back to What's the Point, a podcast dedicated to Yvonne and Darian sharing their wellness journeys after losing nearly 200 pounds combined on WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. We share tips, tricks, and best practices in hopes of helping you live well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to What's the Point? Hello, everybody. Today, we are bringing you another interview episode. We are talking with Danielle from At Losing the FUPA. Danielle and I have known each other probably maybe a little over a year now. We met through a WW Millennial Weight Watchers group. And then whenever quarantine COVID hit, all of us started a Zoom together to keep each other accountable kind of during the times when, you know, WW meetings stopped and the world kind of stopped. So hello, Danielle. Yes. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. And we talked a little bit before and Yvonne and I, we knew you would have some good nuggets, but we think you have a lot to share because your journey right now is a little different. You are in maintenance. You're not tracking points every day. And we think you have a lot going on. So how about you just kind of start us off, tell us about your weight loss journey, any nuggets you have, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So I would say the main start of my weight loss journey was when I graduated college or more so that was the start of my large weight gain which then was like I gotta lose it um and essentially so I graduated school two years ago now and I started a job where I was traveling a lot so I'm a consultant so we were on the road pretty much every week every other week and I like didn't have a kitchen I was just eating out every single meal all week Um, and I just didn't even know like what to order at restaurants. Like I just ate like chicken and French fries, which is not sustainable. There's no vegetables in that, like just not a great lifestyle. Um, because I was traveling so much, I also wasn't working out and I really have always loved working out. Um, so naturally with just eating horribly, not working out the weight kind of packed on. And then at the start of 2020, I was either like, I need to buy a fully new work wardrobe or I need to lose the weight. And like losing weight just sounded like a cheaper option. Um, So I decided to join WW. I'd like tracked calories before and stuff like that. And nothing really was sustainable to me because at the end of the day, I just didn't know how to form a meal. I've always loved cooking, but I just genuinely didn't know little things. Like I'd buy gluten-free pasta just because I thought it was healthier. Mm. Like it's, it's not, um, <laughs> it doesn't even taste better and I can eat gluten. Um, so Weight Watchers was really helpful for me. And I started on the blue plan and just understanding, okay, I need to build my meals with lean meats. These are what lean meats are. This is vegetables. These are, I mean, I knew what vegetables <laughs> and fruit were, but just like having that list in front of me, like in making it my grocery list was super helpful and helped me kind of learn how to build meals in a healthier way, um, which was really fun. Cause like I said, I, I always liked cooking. And then while we were traveling up until March, so those first two and a half, three months, I was actually going to the grocery store, like while I traveled. And so I would fully buy all of my little like prepackaged snacks and like little things of like unsweetened applesauce and like prepackaged goldfish and fruit and like I just made that a priority like I'd land at my client site 
Sunday night, would go to the grocery store, stock up on all this stuff so that I had it throughout the week. So I really had no excuses. And then that way I had all these healthy snacks and it was okay for me to go out with my teammates and eat like not whatever meals I wanted, but I had a little bit more flexibility. Um, so then obviously the world shut down in March. And from then on, the most of my journey was in quarantine, um, which was kind of cool because it was really, it gave me something to like really focus on and hone in on and just kind of work towards. Like, I was like, okay, like, you know, things are maybe like sad and bleak, but I am really enjoying cooking. I'm really enjoying like trying out new recipes with this time, like going on those morning walks with my parents and then like literally evening walks, like walks all day, (laughs) basically in between work. Um, So that was all, you know, really great. And I really fell in love with running during quarantine as well. So I was not a runner before quarantine. Well, this is another story, (laughs) but I ran a, I ran a half marathon in college and I didn't really run it. I mainly walked it. I almost died. Like none of my family thought I was going to make it to the finish line. The most I trained before this was four miles. Like I have no idea how I ended up doing 13 like on race day, legitimately never run four miles in my life, but I was just so determined to do it because everyone said I couldn't. I was like, you know what? I can. Um, but yeah, not a runner. And then I really started running because like I said, I was traveling all the time and I was skipping my workouts because I was like, oh, there's not an orange theory, like walking distance from where I am. So I'm just not going to go like just biting that membership fee. Um, and so I started running because I was like, okay, well, if I can learn to run like three miles, you can run anywhere. You don't need a gym. You don't need equipment. Um, like maybe I'll stop making excuses. And so I just kind of forced myself to run like three miles every here and there. And then, you know, all the gyms shut down and that was all I had. And at that point I was working up to like three miles or so. I was actually training for another half marathon because I wanted to redeem myself for my first one um, where I, you know, again, nearly died. I literally went to the med test. <laughs> on my first like I was like I'm not gonna make it like they help like like I have no idea how I finished <laughs> um anyway so that's how I really got into into running was through that and then I just got the crazy idea like I ran a half marathon for my birthday um because it got canceled so that was what a year ago May 12th um and then I was like wow like that was like that was kind of easy which sounds crazy but it was something that I was like, I didn't think I could run the whole thing. And then I did. And I was just kind of like wanting more. And again, the world was shut down. I had nothing else to do. So I just decided to start training for a marathon. And that was really great. But essentially, so the way Weight Watchers was really helpful and really integral in my running journey was just teaching me what foods I needed to eat to fuel my body. And through just following the Weight Watchers plan in running, I ended up losing, um, 30-ish pounds um, over, I would say it took me about 10 months. And then I've been in maintenance maintenance mode ever since, which started in about September or October. And then once my marathon training journey kind of really kicked into gear, which was in November, I was running like 35 miles a week, um, which is just crazy to think about now. And there, I just could not keep up with Weight Watchers. Like, I was eating within my points. I even switched to purple so that I could have a lot more carbs. And I still was just finding myself so hungry. I was like binging at night because I just was like not eating enough food during the day. So then I ended up stopping tracking entirely. Um, and so now in May, 
I don't even know how many months it is, six months later, <laughs> I still don't track because I'm in maintenance mode. I would say I stayed at a healthy range um, throughout my whole maintenance journey, really proud with, with where I am now. I will occasionally put some things in the tracker just to figure out kind of where they're at or when I'm in a grocery store, if I see a new thing or especially Trader Joe's, man, like you <laughs> think everything in Trader Joe's is healthy. And they're like, hmm, let me scan it. And it's like, oh my God, no, like putting that back. Like, I don't even like, like the cookie doesn't even look that good. Um, so yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at right now um, in my journey. So really just enjoying food, enjoying exercise. And honestly, at the end of the day, through the past, I don't know, 10, 11 months of tracking, my body tells me when I'm not doing what I should be. Like it, there are physical signs. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back. Like I need to look at what I'm eating. Like, what am I feeding myself? I'm not feeling myself properly. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now on my journey and a detailed summary <laughs> I love throughout that. the last year and a half. Yeah, I think that's so, I think you, oh my gosh, you said so many good things. One of the things I want to touch on that you said kind of in the beginning of your story was that you didn't really know what things were healthy. You, you would buy gluten-free pasta just because you thought it was healthy, even though you could eat gluten. And you're like, it doesn't even taste that bad. It didn't even taste good. Um, I think there's so many people who want to change the way they eat. They want to change their lifestyle. They want to do all these things. And then the way food is marketed to us, it seems like gluten-free would be a good option. So we don't know, right? We're uneducated when we first start. We're just like, oh, okay, that thing's I mean, I'm, I know I've done that too. That sounds healthy that, I mean, it's gluten-free, it should be healthier, but you know, has basically the same amount of calories. All the nutritions are about the same. It's just made with different ingredients to make it gluten-free. So I think that's a super important point that, I mean, I think all of us go through this evolution of trying to figure out, you know, what's good food for us, like what is healthy, nutritious food for us. And I think WW in general just does a really good job of providing that foundation of education for so many people. To your point, Danielle, to learn how to build a meal because we didn't, you don't know how to build healthy meals when we don't have the resources or the information to know how to do that. So I, th there, I mean, there were so many other things you said that I could just keep going on and on, but I think that is a really important one. So if people are listening and they're like, where do I start? You know, I think that's the one reason WW is a great option for so many people in the beginning is because it just helps give you some tools and some foundation and some support and some structure when you don't know what to do, because we're not nutritionists, you know, we don't know the things. So I really think that is an important part as well. And yeah, I, and I, no, go on. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, even, you know, if you're not on WW, just getting that list of, let's say you look at like the purple list of zero point foods and just knowing, okay, like I should have the bulk of my grocery shopping should include these foods. Like, right. the, of course, you know, you can spice it up, mix it up, get the, I'm a Cheez-Its lover. Mm -hmm. So like get the Cheez-Its if you want them, you know, stuff like that. But the majority of your meals should be based around this. And then you can spice it up through like seasoning, sauces, you know, what it, like whatever you might choose. Um, yeah. But that was really great. And also just like simply a grocery list and like, okay, these are the foods you should be looking at. These are the, even the aisles that you should be shopping in when you're going in the grocery store. Like almost every grocery store I've been is 
set up this way, but you should really only be shopping on the perimeter of the store, which is where all of the whole foods are, right? And then like that's typically where your your dairy, your eggs, your fruits, your vegetables, your meats, all that stuff is on the perimeter. And then all your snacky foods and super processed foods, the frozen foods are all in the middle of the grocery store. Um, like even most Trader Joe's are set up that way. So I just kind of was mindful of that. Like I only go in the middle of the grocery store for certain things, like things I can't live without, like barbecue sauce, ketchup, um, even like cheese rice it. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, cheeses, goldfish, like all of that stuff, but like not spending as much time in the middle of the store and spending so yeah. much of the time on the on the perimeters. That's such a great tip for sure. And I think that is a good nugget too, because I think a lot of people, and we see this, I don't know if you see this in the group brand a lot, or you guys see this on Instagram. A lot of people right when they start WW, they'll be like, Oh, I'm so hungry at the end of the day and things like that. But I think it's because they're not doing what you said, Daniel. I think they're just not focusing on, for example, if you're on blue or purple, the zero point foods, let's build my meals around this. I think a lot of people, right. When they join, of course, of course, it's a huge learning curve. So they're probably just overwhelmed, but I think they're like always going to their go-to and then just trying to fit it into their points that first couple of weeks. And it's like, okay, I already blew through, you know, 26 points and it's not even dinner. I think it's so important that people do remember Hey, like there are tools that WW provides you, like these are your zero point food lists. And like you said, I think they even have mock grocery lists and things like that. Like let's build around these items. So for example, I'm on blue, let's start a meal with a chicken breast and then let's add additional things to it. I remember them talking about when I used to go to WW meetings, talking about that, like, these are your base things. Let's build meals around them. So I think that's really important to point out, especially to people that are just starting. Totally. Yeah. Danielle, you also mentioned in your story when you were sharing about how you were feeling very hungry at the end of the night and you were like binging on probably things that you normally wouldn't binge on and things like that. I think that's so important that we talk about because you are a super active person. You burn a lot of calories. You are, you know, you train to run, you do orange theory. I know you even do Peloton rides. You do a lot of different things and activity and movement is a major part of your life. And so I think it's important. You can, like you said, you kind of touched on it that you felt like you weren't eating enough. Can you talk about what you do now as far as making sure that you eat enough so that you avoid those late night binges, given that you are such an active person? Yeah. So in terms of what I do now, so my kind of goal for the day, and this isn't every, I don't work out every day. I would say I strive to work out about five times a week. um, And that goal is to hit 90 minutes of exercise, which sounds crazy to some people, but I have a very like sedentary job where I'm sitting at my desk all day, you know, like we're not, I'm not going into the office. So 90 minutes of exercise might be the only movement I get during that day. Like, especially I live in an apartment, like I'm not really going anywhere. Um, So again, try for 90 minutes. So whether that be going to a 60 minute orange theory class and then maybe going on a walk to get coffee or going for a 30 minute run or maybe doing 30 minutes of like Peloton or a Peloton strength class or Pilates or something like that. That's kind of what I strive for in terms of exercise, which is a lot more than the daily or your average person, I guess you could say. Um, And so with points, as you guys know, you know, you have fit points. And so at first I was eating my fit points 
but I was like getting a lot of fit points, like double the amount of fit. Like I just, you're not supposed to eat that much. <laughs> At least I'm not supposed to. Um, and so what I ended up doing was just learning, okay, I instead of having like, example, like gold, like a bag of goldfish is four points. Um, so maybe instead of having multiple of those really salty, but only maybe a hundred calorie point snacks, I need to be having really protein filled snacks, but then also allowing myself to have that like salty craving. Um, so like example, a favorite snack of mine right now is a yogurt parfait bowl. So getting a heaping scoop of Greek yogurt and then putting a bunch of berries on it and then even granola. And so with that bowl, you know, you'll be eating like 15 ish grams of protein and that's significantly less points than goldfish. So just looking at it from, from that, like, I guess, frame of mind um, was super helpful for me. So not just looking at the points, but also looking at the, nutri the nutritional values in foods and kind of paying more attention to that, which is what ultimately led me to stop tracking because at the end of the day, like I kind of have the points memorized for everything, being on the program for so long. So I didn't necessarily need to track daily to know what I was eating and to figure out if I was eating too many points or it was never too little points, but like too many points. Um, so just looking at the nutritional value in foods has been really helpful. And through the point system, I was able to understand that more. So like just calorie counting didn't really mean anything to me. Like you can have a hundred super nutritional calories or a hundred calories of candy. Right. <laughs> and to me, they're like one in the same versus the point system really helped me learn like, okay, you should be looking for foods that are low in fat and low in sugar, but also at certain times you need a lot of sugar. Like when I was running, I literally eat a bag of Skittles during my run because I needed the sugar to like not pass out <laughs> because you're, right. you're running, it's hot, you're sweating, like you, you just need it. So just learning to kind of listen to your body more and, um, even in the, in the points counting, like, okay, I've eaten my points for the day. Don't just be like, oh, like, whatever. I just won't get a blue dot today. I'm just going to go grab a container of cheeses and just sit on the couch. Like instead of being like, okay, I'm hungry. I need protein. So like going and warming up. Um, I love the blackened chicken tenders. Oh, There's yes. like warming up black and, black and chicken tenders with barbecue sauce. Like that's going to be so much more filling to me than sitting there and just eating a box of cheeses and then I'm going to eat the cheeses and be like wow I'm still hungry because you didn't have any protein right. and that's what your body needed yeah or just even I've been loving like toast as a snack just like warming up some toast and then putting jam on it like that's going to be even better because that's the carbs like that's actually filling you up yeah. versus again the cheeses I have a cheeses problem if you like could not tell <laughs> I actually had to stop purchasing them because I was eating them too much. <laughs> I, I can only buy the prepackaged bags now or I will legitimately like just stress eat them, which is not great. That's what I was going to say. I was like, sometimes I've had to buy like the pre-portioned bags of everything as some of my favorite snacks because I don't trust myself with things like Cheez-Its, with things like Goldfish and the things like the little Oreo Thins. You can't buy the whole box. You have to buy the prepackaged ones because not going to be a good situation if things are not pre-portioned and yes they're a little bit more expensive but it's kind of one of those trade-offs that you have to decide for yourself but no that was really good insight um Danielle because you bring up a really good point about 
the calories and the points and protein versus just, you know, empty calorie kind of thing or empty points. Um, not every point is created equal. Not every calorie is created equal, especially when it comes to being a very active person and wanting to fuel your body. You can't just be at the level of activity that you're at working out five days a week, 90 minutes um, each day, and then think that a Cheez-Its are going to do it for you. <laughs> They're not, they're not, they will, you know, with maybe some protein, but just that alone, I think that's really good learning that you probably have, um, you've evolved over the course of your journey. You know that you need to fuel your body in a way that's going to sustain your, your, your lifestyle, which is very active. Yeah. And then I even, and again, this is, this is just what works for me. So I work out in the morning and then I start work by nine. So I'm typically working out at like six or seven in the morning. Um, and then I actually do intermittent fasting. So, and I've, I've done intermittent fasting for like maybe two, three years at this point. So it's just kind of what my body has gotten used to. It works really well with me in terms of bloating. And then also I'm a very snacky person. So I just prefer to basically snack eight hours straight during the day, especially while I'm working, um, as opposed to like eating big meals. So what I do is I typically break my fast with a breakfast at 11 and I make sure I have a really like protein and or carb heavy breakfast, just depending on my time in the morning. Um, so I like to have like eggs, bacon, toast, or like eggs, bacon, and oatmeal, but just really making sure I'm having a, a filling breakfast. And then about two hours later, I typically have a smaller lunch. And then I'm snacking from lunch really to dinner, but just trying to be mindful of my snacks throughout the day. Um, and then I try to have a big dinner as well. And that's just really worked for me. Um, if I go over my eight hour window, I go over it. Like it's not the biggest deal in the world. So I'd say it's somewhere between eight and 10 hours I do for my eating window. And again, I just found that to work really well with like bloating and and just how I feel. Yeah, I'm totally down for a big protein heavy breakfast. It is the foundation of my day for sure. Danielle, I wanted to ask you just because, I mean, you said you are probably active more than the average person, definitely more than me, you know, probably more than Yvonne, but I wanted to ask you since you do so many things, for example, you run outside, you do have an Orange Theory membership and you also do Peloton. How do you decide between the three or do you only choose one or you just kind of do whatever? Yeah, um, you know, from hearing you run through that, it just brought to my attention. I spend too much money on group exercise. <laughs> um, but so it's kind of when I'm in training mode or I'm training for something, it's a very set schedule, right? So everything is planned around my run. Um, so let's say I have like a three mile run, four mile run you know, or long run on the weekend, 10 mile run, I'm, I'm planning it around that. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at the orange theory template and thinking, okay, is this going to be a day where I can get pretty good mileage on the treadmill? Mm -hmm. Like, can I cut my, the mileage I have to run outside in half by going to orange theory, knocking that out, then just running 20 minutes outside to hit my mileage goal. Mm -hmm. Something like that. If it's a day where my legs are just super sore or it's rainy, I typically go to the bike. So I try to do the bike once a week or let's be honest there's a class I've seen like hyped up on TikTok or Instagram or something like I'm going to make 
um, priority to the bikes. Like when Kindle's mental health ride came out literally the next morning, I was like, I'm doing the bike. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and then also for Orange Theory, that's fully based around the instructor mm-hmm. and Reddit. So I really only go to a few instructors. And so I only take classes on the days that they're teaching. And then at that, I look at Reddit the night before, and if the workout looks miserable, I just don't go. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Again, I love this honesty. I love this honesty. <laughs> yeah like it's it's not the best habit but um yeah that's typically what I do and I really like going to Orange Theory on Mondays Mm. um very random but I just love the like never miss a Monday mentality and just going and kicking off my week with that group fitness um environment is really great but yeah I would say when I'm not in training for anything it's pretty it's pretty fluid and I just kind of do what my body's feeling like doing I've recently been really into Peloton Pilates Mm. um it's been great just to do like 20 minutes after like a run after a bike ride um I honestly enjoy it more than just doing a core class and it's I feel like Pilates is mostly like core glutes legs um so that's been really great too nice oh my gosh you um I know you just kind of skimmed over it, but if you didn't hear Danielle, she said the Peloton Kindle mental health awareness ride, y'all, that ride is straight fire. It will get in the pit of your soul. Like take that ride if you have a Peloton. Um, One thing I wanted to also ask before we kind of start winding down, Danielle, is that I, okay, I've, I've followed you on Instagram for a while and I love that you love to bake because um, I love to bake, but I don't bake as much as I used to just because I haven't, I feel like I haven't mastered this whole lightened up baking situation, mm-hmm. um, but I, you baked so many treats around the holidays and you were sharing so many good things and I know you love to spend time in the kitchen. Um, how and I know you bake some lightened up stuff, but you also bake like some regular stuff too. Um, talk to us about your love of baking and kind of where that came from and how that has fit into your journey. Yeah. So like I said, I've always loved cooking, um, specifically baking actually. So my, my mom is a big cook, but my grandmother is a big baker. Mm. Um, so when my grandmother would come to town, we would always just bake so much stuff. And then like, even growing up as a kid, my mom has a scrapbook. That's all of her like cooking recipes. And then I had a scrapbook that was all of my baking recipes. Um, and so we would just sit there on the weekends and like print out recipes or like read their magazines and like clip out recipes, you know, the store of Pinterest was big um, and put them in the scrapbook. And it was just so much fun. And then during the holiday season, would always just bake a ton. We would go to like cookie exchanges and stuff and like make different fun cookie recipes. Um, and then I would say the first few months of my Weight Watchers journey or my weight loss journey, um, I was just really missing that. Like I was like, man, I'm not really eating any of these baked goods because I'm not figuring out how to make them. You have some amazing food bloggers out there that make amazing um dessert recipes but I was just like I want to figure out how to lighten up some of my my favorite recipes that I was used to growing up eating um so really just spent a lot of time like studying I guess the chemistry of baking you could say which was a lot of trial and error honestly like figuring out that 
for the most part, you can't just fully take butter out of a recipe or like if you can, you can't expect it to be that good. Like you just need some type of butter in a recipe. Um, (laughs) But it's figuring out, okay, what's the right balance of butter like? And then some things, for example, a sugar cookie, I still have not figured out how to make a good sugar cookie without a crap ton of butter and sugar because right those are the two main ingredients for sure. it's like taking out butter out of, out of pound cake like you just it's supposed to have pound of butter yeah. um and so stuff like that and really through quarantine and I spent a number of months at my parents house and my mom and I would just keep you know trying recipes and and trying things out and and even now it's been just so fun to like okay I have no weekend plans like let's just spend some time thinking about my favorite childhood recipes or I say childhood, but like adult recipes too. Um, and figure out how to make these something that are not going to fully mess up my stomach. And that's really what it's come down to. Right. Um, just because, and again, I didn't cut out butter or oil or, or sugar or anything. I just fully, I really cut down how much I was eating of it, which really changed, has changed my sensitivity to it. So even at a restaurant, if I just see something that's super oily and buttery, I'm like, okay, I cannot eat this. I'm going to be in the bathroom the whole time. Like, you know, you don't want to be like that in your home. So just kind of trying to figure out how to adjust recipes to not mess up my stomach, but to still also be super good. And then some recipes, you know, you just, you just can't touch. They just need to be left as is. Um, And the biggest thing for that is, like how I can differentiate mainly is the flavoring. Mm-hmm. So for example, like chocolate flavored things, it's a lot easier to cut some of the butter or the sugar because you still have that chocolate flavoring or like cinnamon flavored things. Mm-hmm. You still have the cinnamon. If you have some type of other flavoring, you need to really get away with taking away more of the butter or the sugar and things, which are the two main ingredients in baking things that make it a little bit more points heavy. Of course, flour, but like you normally can't skimp on flour. Like that's right. kind of something you, you really need the flour. <laughs> well, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching all of your baked goods and has definitely inspired me for sure. Cool. Yeah, so much. Okay. Well, Danielle, we're kind of getting close to the end of our time here. Any final thoughts before me and Yvonne do our little outro? We're really glad you joined us, but any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I guess I would just say, um, in conclusion, well, first off, thank you guys for having me on, um, your podcast. This has been so much fun speaking with you all the past 30 minutes. Um, again, thank you for inviting me. And then kind of in conclusion, I think just the, the motto to live by is just do what makes you happy and do what makes you feel good. Right. So for me, eating healthy has made me feel absolutely good. I don't wake up in the morning and dread that, oh, I have to go work out. I'm like looking forward to this workout. And like I said, if I'm going to dread it, I cancel the class. Like not a, not a huge deal. Or even I was on vacation recently and I wasn't dreading having to wake up and put on a swimsuit. I was like really excited. And it just was at the back of my mind, like the concern of, oh, having to wear a swimsuit as where beforehand I would maybe be super anxious and be like, oh my God, everyone's staring at me when no one cares. Um, So just little things like that, like do what's going to bring you joy. If you don't like working out, don't work out. Um, I recommend eating healthy. Like it is, it is good for everyone long-term. But also pick what healthy foods you enjoy. Like I could sit here and as a dessert, eat a whole container of pineapple because that's what I enjoy. And it brings me just as much happiness as like eating a bag of Skittles. So 
but also do want Skittles, eat the Skittles. Like, <laughs> I guess in conclusion, just do what makes you happy, live your best life. Um, you know, you only live once. That is true. YOLO, the name of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, what's funny is I haven't said it in a long time, but Yvonne, my nickname for Yvonne used to be YOLO. I haven't said that in so long. How funny. Yeah. Um, okay, flashbacks, guys. flashbacks. It is. That is a flashback to our like first and second episode because people actually dragged me for saying YOLO too much. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. Oh, uh, back in Wait, the was that like in the reviews? Yeah. Yeah. And no, people would wow. send us messages and be like, <laughs> She says YOLO too much. But see, the thing is, people didn't understand that that was Darian's nickname for me because my initials are Y-O. And then maybe there's this whole backstory. But anyway, it was YOLO for a long time. And so we had to kind of phase it out. <laughs> and I think it was when we first started. So I was probably really nervous. And I just said your name probably way too much. But Well, also, when we very first started, we were still working together. Like, you know, we were still colleagues. And so we would see each other. And that was just how we communicated. But anyway yeah. that's a little back backstory on on us <laughs> yes okay you guys if you love danielle which i'm sure you do and loved this episode you can follow her on instagram at losing the fupa i'll spell it here for you it's l-o-s-i-n-g-t-h-e-f-u-p-a and as always you can follow yvonne and i as well i'm at biggie to fitty and then yvonne is at teximexi underscore living Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing and you want us to continue to do this, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And if you are listening, take a screenshot, share it on social, tag us. We love to see what you guys are thinking and we love the feedback. Yeah. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to What's the Points. If you liked the episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. As always, follow us on Instagram. Yvonne is at TexiMexi underscore living, and I am at Biggie2Fitty. Thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you next time.